Good morning, universe. <clears throat> Excuse the frog in my throat. A little chocolate milk lactose intolerance coming through. Actually, I don't believe that's what lactose intolerance means. A froggy throat. But whatever. So it's Sunday the 20th of February in the year 2022. That's 2022 in case that's confusing. Uh, it is 1128. And um, being Sunday morning... That means I just got back from church, and <laughs> that's never been a true statement. Actually, one time, yeah, one time I went to church. One time, one time, with one girl who told me that I needed to get more God in my life. Turned out she needed to get more John in her life, so touche, God. One up to you there, didn't I? All right, so <clears throat> here we are. Uh, episode 30 of see what happened was and I thought first I might want to explain why I threw an a in front of happened in my titling of the album Laura wherever you are you were a good friend and a fun person to hang out with and you had a phrase that I used to love to mimic which was see what happened was and I like that phrase so much I turned it into my second album so, as a nod to my friend Laura from my past. Hello, Laura. You're the balls. And I mean that quite femininely. Um, so, here we are reviewing all the mistakes I made in the last 10 episodes, going back to the review episode that was episode 20 through episode 29. Um, and I do listen to myself. So, uh, I gotta say, like, hmm. Here's another way that the universe is just flip-flop for me. It always concerned me way too much in my past being found out that I was making mistakes or being noted for having made errors or being less than A+. I was told my whole life that I had A-plus in me and so anything less was me doing not my best effort. And I, I firmly believed this. And honestly, if there's anything that I learned to think wrongly that hurt my life, this might be it. Because if you believe you're capable of A-plus work, and therefore will never show the world anything but your A-plus work, you're never going to show the world much work. In fact, you might not show the world any work. Because you'll be so fearful of being judged as less than perfect that you won't want to demonstrate anything you've done. At least, that's how it worked out for me. So, as I do listen to myself, stumble and bumble and make all kinds of mistakes across the entire swath of, record of recordings I've made so far, um, my instinct was to put together a mea culpa for all of it. Whatever tactical error, grammatical error, word mistake, word insertion, whatever flip-flop, flippity-flub that's sitting in those past recordings, I was going to literally list out on a, a yellow pad all of them and address them all but I am not going to do that because so what yeah there's some mistakes back there and there's some that I frankly especially things like calling Einstein uh, the uh, aligned with the theory of non-locality I mean there are certain things that are just flat out 180 degrees wrong in those recordings all I'm gonna say is I ask your forgiveness this is not easy I just get on here and talk. I don't have notes. Well, I do have notes today because I do go listen through the last 10 episodes and make a list of all the shit I've 
screwed up. So I do have a list today, but no other time do I have a list. And most of the time I have no idea what I'm going to even talk about. Some days I come in and think, well, today I'm going to talk about work because this happened. And I do, but the rest of the time, that's not happening. I, I've never thought about why we have a seven-day week until two days ago. This never even crossed my mind. I don't even care. <laughs> like, that is stoner thought. That is, I have nothing to think about. But why do we have five fingers but not a five-day week? And pretty soon, I'm bubbling the whole thing over. It's just the way it goes for me. And, uh, and yet, as I listen to that recording, I'm like, yeah, why do we have a seven-day week? Um, and so I'll live with all the mistakes because throughout my life, in some small way, I always wished I had been carrying around a micro cassette recorder to just speak into my, uh, my, um, my genius moments so they didn't fleet away with seven minutes of non-thought. So I don't know if any of you saw that movie Night Shift with Michael Keaton and Henry Winkler and Shelley Long. Uh, I can't remember Michael Keaton's character's name, but he does this. He carries a micro cassette recorder because he's got too many genius moments that he's got to keep track of. Well, yes, believe it or not, that character and I probably have way more in common than I'd like to admit. But <clears throat> if throughout my life, I've always known I was losing tracks of inquiry that I wanted to pursue because I was too busy in the moment of having the initial thought to retain it. Well, blah, 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 conversation constantly every day into this uh, Samsung Galaxy S4 through my Princess Leia headphones because I just could not tolerate the new headset. I will be working on that. But having, oh crap, did I lose my train of thought? Uh, no, but having made these recordings day after day after day after day, essentially for the first time in my life, having what is the equivalent of a diary, I have found that I'm keeping track of a lot more of those quirky thoughts. The thing about the week could easily have been a distraction that I never pursued, but now it really does have me intrigued. Again, I'm fascinated by, fascinated by the levers of power and the systems they created that enabled the paradigm we live in today and how that paradigm both subconsciously and consciously turns us into things that we aren't. That's kind of my, my thing, right? And, uh, and how, how can you, how can you live 52 years in a world where seven day weeks are the norm and never think, well, why is it a seven day week? How did I get this far without ever actually having that thought until two days ago? Well, I don't know, you know, because so much of what we just get used to, we accept as the way it is and always has been in the best way it could possibly be. This has already been vetted out. There were people before us that thought long and hard about this and came up with this. So this is the way it is. This is the best we got. You just get used to it, right? And again, in this city called Kappa, I am not sitting in a coffee uh, house. One, because I don't drink coffee. But two, because thinking about whether or not I can implement a five-day week across a world filled of seven-day weekers. <laughs> no, I'd rather learn to play soccer. Sorry, football for the rest of the world. Um, or at least learn to play it well. I do know how to play soccer. I'm just terrible at it. I can't kick left-footed to save my life. 
<clears throat> well, none of this is uh, episodes 20 through 29 Redux material, so let me get back to the point. Zebra did not bet on the Super Bowl. He didn't have that bet down. That was the bet he was going to put down, but because Zebra lost other bets, Zebra didn't have that money, so he never put it down. So what does this say? Again, universe is simulating crap just for me. Zebra didn't even put the bet down, and it still was a 23.5 quirk of field goal fumbles. Huh. I don't know, man. If this isn't a simulation all just for my amusement, it certainly does seem like it. Um, the, the other thing about listening back on all these, and if anybody who is currently listening to this has done the same, then I, I imagine you wonder how do you tighten up the nonsense, right? Or at least I wonder that. Like, should I put out uh, a best of series for each one of these where really the things that matter or that got said that have value are all just sort of blah, 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 in a row? I probably won't do that because I think part of what I have to realize is working through some of, some of, the, some of the residue you're left with of, of just time wasted. I, I feel for you. I do. I wish I, could, I wish I could deliver a highly polished product that was just superb off the cuff. I don't have that in me. I'm not that good. And what I try to do is work things through that have potential to cause you to think about something on your end so that you're working things through while I'm being busy-minded so that we're sort of cooperatively thinking across space and time here. That's the effect I would hope we're having. I'd like this to be a conversation that maybe I'm having vocally, but you're having in your head with yourself. And so if I work back through this and just put together a you know, one hour best of, well, you won't work through anything. You'll just be attacked with my thoughts. I don't know that that leads to an elevation of cooperative thinking. So I, I probably won't be doing that. Although I have thought about it. Okay, um, slanty eyes. I termed a, a derogatory uh, classification for Vietnamese peoples. It, it is the entire Asian continent, obviously. We Americans didn't just hold the Vietnamese to that standard. No, we assigned that standard to all of you. Because, you know, we're assholes. But... <clears throat> I didn't mean to pigeonhole that. That term goes back to World War II, and I'm sure long before that. So Vietnam was just the one that came to mind in real time. Uh, all right. I am aware now that I am not going to get past saying people's names, especially from my way past. Now, I'm not going to talk about people's names who uh, don't have any business being connected to my my, uh, my confession. But, Chris Robinson, if I ever see you again, everything I said in that recording I would say to your face, probably for the first time ever, but having deserved it for 40 years, well, that name I don't mind, nor do I mind any of the other names from my way back childhood. Those are all my favorite people. Those are the people I grew up with. Like, don't be internet weird here. I'm going to say some people's real names and you're going to just leave them alone. All of you. 
just like I would do if you were doing the same thing for me. And I can't imagine that there are enough people that are going to listen to this beyond my mom and my cousins that would ever have enough interest to target anybody spoken about in this in these stories and scenarios. If you are that person, first of all, I forgive you for having such terrible thoughts, but I don't understand you for having them. And so I'm going to ask you to be kind and do the one thing that makes the most sense here. Learn and move on and appreciate that we're all trying to do better here. Um, and I'm not sure Nagi <clears throat> is that fifth flavor. I know it is the Japanese eel, but I don't care. I'm just moving past that because that's how little I care. Uh, my other great idea, how you going to be, uh, I've always, and I've spoken about this before, but I'm going to speak about it one more time because I brought it up casually, didn't clarify, but I've always thought that I hate, we ask people, how have you been? How's it going? How, how did, how did, how are things? We, we ask people questions about how their immediate past has been. What, what's life doing to you right now? How, what, what is it looking like in your field of vision from the things you've just experienced? Instead of, how's it looking forward? We have no choice about what's just happened because it's happened. We have all choice about what's going to be. So to me, the question as people are saying goodbye isn't, or saying even hello, isn't, how are you doing? It's how are you going to be? Because then if there's some sort of immediate impending concern, well, hey, I'm here, maybe I can help. How are you going to be? How are you going to be? That's my other great idea, that and manipulating the weak structure. And I might have another two great ideas out there that I don't know about yet that will form in this recording. And again, I look forward to them if they're there. Um, okay, I, I talk about not wanting to be told I've done A-plus work, even if I've done A-plus work. Here's the thing. I judge my work according to my own scale of A to Z. And so if you tell me I did an A-plus job and I don't think I did, I'm, I'm liable to tell you why I, don't think, why I think you're too easily impressed. Um, what I don't like is never being recognized for coming through just on doing the work that needs to get done. There's something to be said for telling people, hey, thanks today. Even if all they did was what was expected of them. Because we're all out here doing our best to keep doing what's expected of us, even on days when what's expected of us sometimes is tough to give. And on those days, I really do want to be told, hey, thanks. Because on those days, it levels out whatever little tiny bit of angst I might build up for never getting told, hey, thanks. And it's funny because last night, the person who I feel like has given me the, the least hey, thankses in situations that they were deserved came over and asked me if I thought I was getting recognized enough for all the hard work I gave. And I said to her, well, I do now. Because to me, that was as... That was as good a hey thanks as I need to work with her for a year. She gave it to me in one sentence. 
And honestly, I, I, I figured this was just one of those people who was always going to say, hey, why isn't that clean enough? Okay, there are people like that in the world. And she totally gave me a 180. So, uh, what should I call this manager? I am going to call her Smiley Face. And Smiley Face, hey, thanks. Um, and here's the thing about A-plus work, right? Is it ever A-plus work? Could it ever be so good it couldn't be better? I don't know. There's even a few mistakes in Star Wars, right? Um, now, I think another thing about being noticed for regular work, at least where I'm super sensitive here, is in some way, I've always known that I was a house of cards waiting to be blown over. And if you're not noticing that I do my best every day to give you what I can, the day that I completely go sideways could come faster than the day that I want it to come. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not in any way fearing that I'm going to go sideways again. But I think my history of choking and my fear of letting people down at times meant that more than anything, what I really needed to do was hear that I did the regular work okay. I'll get into this more because I'm, I'm really starting to work this out. But I think that's a trail on which a lot of my quirkiness was, was cleared and allowed to flourish. Okay, and back to the IQ test thing. I didn't even mention this, but the fact that who wrote Faust determines how smart you are, to me, is problematic. Because... It has nothing to do with how smart you are. It has to do with how much cultural exposure you've had at the high level of what we consider intellectual capacity. Those who haven't had that exposure are less smart. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. So the fact that that is even a question, to me, negates the value of using the IQ test to determine your intelligence. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I already spoke to Einstein's uh, connection to non-locality and then not to telling you in that episode that non-locality works across all distances, including the entire expanse of the universe. That was, those are the two major mistakes in that episode that make that episode almost not make sense, especially if you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, and I, I, can I redo that episode because I realize those mistakes sit there and they contaminate the episode? If anything, they pass misinformation on. Isn't it my obligation to go fix that? I don't know. In fact, if there's ever a time when I might want to be able to record a preamble to say, I do not like to change the things that I've recorded, but I also do not like to misinform. So in the following episode, you're going to hear these two mistakes made. Please understand that I should have corrected them in real time and didn't, so you are being told now that they are mistakes so that you don't pass them along. It seems like the responsible thing to do, right? Just like the responsible things, thing for Cubs Nation to do, and maybe they've done this because I don't keep track of Cubs Nation like I keep track of, well, I don't keep track of any of those nations. When did that become a thing anyway? But listen, Cubs fans, 
Steve Bartman did what every single one of us would have done in the same situation. He caught a goddamn foul ball. Now, could Moises Alou have gotten that ball? Maybe. Was it Moises Alou? I think it was. I don't, I'm not positive on that. But, okay, yeah, he's a great athlete. He could have jumped into the stands and gotten the ball. Maybe. Maybe. Steve Bartman deserves better. And it's you Cubs fans that owe it to him. <laughs> and you know who, uh, who's, who my, my favorite moment in comedy is one moment. It is Bill Burr facing down a hostile crowd in Philadelphia. It's my favorite moment in comedy. And it's not even really comedy. But it's Bill Burr being the most Bill Burriest Bill Burr ever was. And I love Bill Burr. Bill Burr is one of the funniest people on the planet. And he took on the entire city of Philadelphia in a hostile mood. And he won! If that doesn't make you proud of Bill Burr, what would? Just like I left somebody specific off that list. So I'm going to address him now. Because in many ways it's hypocritical to have left him off the list. And yeah, I talk about Bill Cosby. Oh, do I not understand Bill Cosby, and yet do I also understand him? Because what was that night, my freshman year, about? Well, it was about not caring what sort of side of the equation the woman was experiencing, and only caring about the side of the equation I was experiencing. Nobody has taken that to a more disgusting level than Bill Cosby, <laughs> at least no one that I know of. And, I, I mean, this is Bill Cosby, one of the ten funniest men ever to live. And he has to drug women and date rape them because he can't be his real self with them. He's not magnetic enough of a personality to get laid by beautiful women. He doesn't have the kind of cultural status and reputation to haul in a bevy of babes? What in Bill Cosby is broken that he does what he did? I don't know. I really don't. But I can't not forgive Bill Cosby's weakness or else I can't ask you to forgive mine. I know it's sliding scales of treachery here. But how far away from what I did is Bill Cosby's maneuvering? From my point of view, it's not very far away. Because it is exactly the same self-loathing, disregarding sense of existence that enables both actions to occur. You're not on my list for a reason, Mr. Cosby. I think you're one of the ten funniest men in history. But until you come correct, well, you're, you're too inhuman to include in my group of the greatest humans. But two humans who are not too inhuman to include in the list of greatest humans are Scott and James, and much like Andrew, they deserve their own episodes. So someday, I'll get to them. And I'll also get to Tom Jung and Ken Ju because those two guys as my next group of best friends 
had a huge influence on me and and stayed my best friends through senior year of high school so ah, those those are the those are the five that brought me alive and now i will strive to not take a dive that's all i got um <clears throat> all right what was ingenious about ann and arnie's idea what do the successful want more than anything for their children well they want their success that's why they'll buy their way into harvard right but uh, imagine and a lot of these kids had been there for three three summers there were three years you could be 15 16 or 17 to come to the camp um so send your kid for six weeks to massachusetts where they are surrounded by students from Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Dartmouth, you name it. These, these kids are going to go hang out with the college kids at the premier institutions. And they're going to do it for six weeks. And they're going to make friends with these people. They're going to learn how these people got into Harvard. They're going to learn all of the things necessary to be successful at the level that these kids are successful. And these counselors were among the most successful of the successful. It was ingenious. And it, I'm sure it's still going on. It's a great idea, <laughs> especially in a society motivated by who's got the most and who's on top. And yet again, now <laughs> I do like my Freudian slips where I call things like Newton, Massachusetts, Newtown. Huh? Where'd that come from? <laughs> uh, the day students paying for activities was BS because nobody else had to do it. All the Overnight students just signed up for whatever activity they wanted to sign up for. That was part of the package. Day students had a price tag for every activity they wanted to participate in. Because again, they were on scholarship, so they hadn't paid for their activities. I also got that changed. I just forgot to mention it. Uh, on, my, on my hall, my freshman year, the math sounds wonky because you might not be realizing I was adding myself in. On a hall of 12 people, there was my RA, a junior, who was quite sophisticated and, uh, and had uh, experienced more of the world than even Johnny. There was a sophomore who was in the same category. There was Johnny. And then there were nine, I'm going to guess, virgins. I don't know this of my freshman hall. I'm just assuming. Let's face it. Look at you guys. Um, and so that's it. That's how that math works out. Um, I once made someone a calendar. Oh, yeah. Is You know, what's funny is I even made somebody a calendar one time. Thinking about all this seven-day week stuff. I made somebody a 365-day calendar out of construction paper and ink pens. And, um, and I had all the holidays, like, of our whatever we'd done together. It was, like, the second year we were together. And it was our anniversary present. So the calendar went from the day we met till the day we till that day the next year. Anyway, that's probably the best gift I ever gave somebody, if I'm being honest. Um, one of the worst gifts I ever gave somebody recently, though, was giving one of my coworkers, who I will call, hmm, what should I call him? Hell yeah, I'm gonna call this coworker hell yeah. Well, I made hell yeah listen to my Constitution State recording. 
And Helia is the nicest person. I, I aspire to be as upbeat and, and good-natured uh, as Helia. That's why I'm calling him Helia. Um, and I knew I had to play that episode for somebody who didn't know me, had never heard me. I needed, I needed to know that I hadn't created something that had to be thrown against the wall. And he gave me that space to play it. But that's not a gift. That's a burden. And thank you, Helia, for at least listening. Uh, but my, my whole point is, I'm not, I'm not sure what happened that day. Something happened. What I want to know is why the media, where, what happened to investigative journalism? Why did that have to fall on the shoulder of people like Marty Leeds? He admits he's not an investigative journalist. That's not what he does. What do investigative journalists do now? Well, they go investigate why we should all think more like how we're told to think and not question the things that we all find somewhat suspect. That's what investigative reporting has come down to. There is no such thing. When I was a kid, there were like major reveal shows where big secrets were being unveiled. Whether it was Al Capone's vault, sorry, Geraldo, that sure went wrong. But 2020 was a show because we needed to get 2020 vision on scandals at hand. Hmm, <laughs> yeah. I wonder too, where'd they go? I speak of manipulating cash dates, and this makes me sound like you can manipulate a cash date. That's not what I meant. I meant we would manipulate the fact that Google used cash dates to signify value of pages. Because cash dates, frequent cash dates, meant pages that were frequently being updated, that had attention. A dormant cash date meant a page that hadn't changed in quite some time, and frankly, was losing value in Google's eyes because it was something seen and now being neglected. So to manipulate the search engine results via cache dates was to continually get your page cached. That's why I know exactly how cache dates work. <laughs> uh, I do hope we go from gag order to notice of top secret non-talkie talkie. -talkie. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I love or hate, because I do both, the way that I will take a simple phrase and turn it into something like, Notice of top secret non-talkie-talkie, you have been notified. Non-talkie-talkie, no-talkie-talkie. I said no-talkie-talkie. <laughs> but as a tinfoil hat wearing dumb fuck, I'm sorry, as a double stuffed tinfoil hat wearing dumb fuck who believes that conspiracies and conspiracy thus theories have to be investigated, well... Why would you not want to give me a notice of top secret non-talkie-talkie? No talkie for me. Okay, I got to talk about a couple more things first, though. At one point, I say enabling a horror, and it sounds like I say whore. Literally, I do think I said whore, so it sounds like horror. I meant to say horror. I'm a mumbler, and especially when it comes to horror versus horror. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not on TV having to say those two words in the same sentence. I'm also embarrassed that I <laughs> use the adjective hard to describe how some people might wake up from a night of rough dreams. Uh, waking up hard was not the imagery I was trying to convey there. I meant having a challenge waking up with all those uh, 
those distraught thoughts. Do I think I'm the Messiah? <laughs> Boy, I sure sound like it in that one episode. I will forgive you. I will enable a universe in which you can be forgiven. Okay, that is kind of Messiah talk. So what happens if I believe that? Well, I'm not the Messiah. We're all the Messiah. Everybody here has just exactly as much say in what we're going to do to make this our reality in a cooperative fashion as everybody else. But I think, in my universe, I don't want to see punishment, retribution, penalty, shame, scarlet lettering for actions taken in your past. I know I'm alone here. There may be seven others of us out there, but we're a small contingent. We're a lot smaller than that contingent pulling shit in the Constitution state, I know that much. But can I build my contingency? Can I get people to join this bus of forgiveness, understanding, and kindness? Yes, I think I can. I don't think my message is ill-received by anybody. I want to be kind to you. How dare you! Be prickly toward me. I want to be understanding. Bullshit! Misunderstand me or I won't hang out with you. I want to forgive you. Oh, that's where I draw a line. You're going to hold grudges against me or we're not going to play. Say our overlords who hold grudges. I'm no messiah. I'm some dude who works at a meat counter. I can barely pay my bills. I've got dog poop in my yard I need to pick up. I've got a cat who literally has a red spot scab on her that makes me feel sorry for her every time I see her. Does that sound like the Messiah? I'm just a dude trying to explain that I think this all matters. How we treat each other matters. How we decide we want this to work out matters. What we let slip by without really standing up and saying, hey, wait a second, I care about that. It matters. How much doubt we have to live with. How much disruption that brings our lives. It matters. I always took these things for granted. I was the nihilistic, anarchistic, denialistic brick that I speak to when I ask, is that you? I admit when I got to the end of the road of the Constitution State shenanigans, I realized I was looking into the face of me. For I know I have it in me to have pulled that maneuver. In fact, in some ways, some versions of me would have considered that my seminal moment in life. But I'd have been wrong. How can I see that now? I don't know. But I know it. And I know I'm right there. That's that's plainly wrong. So, nope, not the Messiah, just a dude trying to live a better life and trying to enable that for everybody in my orbit. And that includes anybody listening to this. I love you all. I've never for one moment doubted that we can do this, but we're in it together. And if you don't believe that, well, that's what I'm here to tell you. Keep listening. Sooner or later, it'll all make sense.